0: You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at crossvillerevolution.com. So good to see everybody. Be patient. We still got people coming in and we are packed out. So uh, if you look at your neighbor, though, and say, man, it's good to see you on Easter, brother. Go ahead. Glad you're in church. Find somebody else around you and say, "Where's my Reese egg? Where is my Reese egg? Who's who's Reese egg people in here? Reese egg people, okay? Cadbury egg people, raise your hand. Snicker egg people, raise your hand. All right, good deal, good deal. Praise God for Easter candy, amen, y'all. Hey, uh, we've made it abundantly clear to every single person here this weekend. Whether you're a regular Revolution Church or you're visiting for the first time, maybe you're joining us online for the first time, uh, what we're celebrating this weekend. And every Sunday is special, and every weekend, every church around the world celebrates this. But Easter is the day that we commemorate again what we've made so clear. This is the day that we celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as a church. And Christians all around the world get excited and lose their minds, and churches packed out as a result. Amen, y'all? Let's give God a hand for doing that. You know, before Jesus was even resurrected from the dead, when he was in the middle of his ministry, in John chapter 11, he was quoted as sort of foreseeing this resurrection when he refers to himself as this, I am the resurrection and the life, and then he adds on to it, and this is really the big, the big why behind we why we're celebrating Easter today. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he closes with this question when he quotes this. Do you believe this? This is why we refer to this Sunday as Christians. It's a little churchy lingo, but we don't really call it Easter. Nothing wrong if you do call it that. We call it Resurrection Sunday. The context of Jesus saying this was in a story about a man named Lazarus that you've probably heard before if you've been in church at all, a man named Lazarus that dies and Jesus resurrects from the dead. And rather than, you know, read some 47 verses that we would have to go through, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you a brief synopsis of the story and uh, get you out of here as quick as I, quick as you can, because I know you're going home to eat and uh See family members and all that stuff. In John chapter 11, we see this chapter start out where a man named Lazarus gets sick. And Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus as soon as he falls ill and it looks like he's going to die. They send word to Jesus. And when they do, they don't just tell Jesus, hey, Lazarus is sick, you need to come. Or, or Lazarus is about to die, you need to come. They do it in a very unusual way. They send a message to Jesus and say this, the one whom you love is sick. Now, the first lesson from John chapter 11 that we've got to grab a hold of today as Christians, and even if you're a non-believer in here and you're just kicking the tires of Christianity, somebody invited you, is this teaches us that even if Jesus loves us, we're still going to have pains in our lives. Some people would teach and some people would think, well, if Jesus loves me, I'll never get sick. If Jesus loves me, I'm never going to have pain. And what this teaches us is, rest assured, just because you know Christ doesn't mean you're going to escape sickness and pain in your life. There would be teachers of prosperity gospels that would look at you and say on a TV or or in a church that if you love Jesus, if you just have enough faith, then you're never going to struggle, you'll never get sick, you'll have perfect relationships and one of the greatest lessons we see out of John chapter 11 is that is completely false. Uh, when I was young in my house, we only had four channels. Does anybody in here remember back when you only had four channels? We had rabbit ears on the TV with tin foil attached to the rabbit ears, and your parents would be like, move it, stop! And you—you you know, they'd be watching the end of a game, and you weren't allowed to move. Anybody remember that? Say amen. Young people don't know what it's like, man. you got so many options, all these streaming service and on the interwebs and all that stuff. I know, I know I'm an old man, but, but I remember back uh, when that happened, and when I would come home from school, sometimes the only thing on TV that I would watch would be this weird guy on PBS Okay, public access television that painted a weird looking guy had a big afro anybody know what i'm talking about wasn't a black guy but had an afro y'all know what i'm saying and what was his name y'all bob ross he's become kind of an icon and people uh, make a big deal about him now but i remember when i would watch bob ross paint and at the beginning of the show he would throw paint onto a canvas and i'd sit there and go that looks terrible i could do better than him man alive like that is awful And then he would make something out of the stuff he threw on the canvas and it would start to look good. And then about halfway through, when it was looking really good, he'd add a tree or something like that. And he just ruined it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever watched him? But it never failed. By the end of every single episode, Bob Ross had created a masterpiece. The artist had something in mind with all that paint that he slung onto that canvas you got to understand in here, listen to me. We want to minister to you this weekend, and more importantly, we want the Holy Spirit to minister to you. You're going to go through hard things in your life. And you're going to think to yourself sometimes, what's God doing? He's just throwing pain on a canvas. But rest assured, the Master has a masterpiece in mind with your life. He will use all things for good in your life. I guarantee it. We see that when they say the one whom you love is sick, The scriptures tell us then right after that, very soon after that, that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It says this in John chapter 11. And what's important to point out is the difference in the words in the Greek that are used for love. When they tell Jesus, the one whom you love is sick, it's a form of Greek love that's referred to as phileo. That's the Greek word, and it refers to a friendship love. But when it says Jesus loved Mary and loved Martha and loved Lazarus, the Greek word that was used is agapeo. And that form of love is a godly, sufficient, sacrificial love. In this context, this Greek word is used in the imperfect tense in the language, which means that it is an unending, never-ceasing love that Jesus had for Martha, for Mary, and for Lazarus. Keep that in mind as we continue to go through this story. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick and he does something unusual. He decides to stay two more days where he is and goes to see them later. He shows up four days after Lazarus dies. And the only way I could describe this to you is Mary and Martha. Lazarus is in the tomb. Mary and Martha and several others are mourning the death. They're basically having a funeral and Jesus crashes the funeral. I don't know about y'all, but I found in my life funerals are some of the most awkward things that I've ever been to. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I can remember when I was about 10 years old, my grandmother died and she was in a casket, and it's kind of weird what we do, how we paint people up and stuff like that, and we put them in a casket, and you're supposed to go do a viewing and all that, and I had people pressuring me. Like, I didn't want to go look at my grandmother in the casket. People were like, you got to go look at her, son. Come on up here, and they're hugging me, holding me in place while I'm looking at my grandmother, and I just remember always having this weird feeling about funerals. Uh, Being a pastor, I've been to all kinds of funerals in an attempt to minister to people and share the gospel, and hopefully Uh, spread the love of Christ at funerals but boy I've been to some weird ones y'all I was at one funeral where two sisters got in a fight almost knocked the casket over and the body came flying out it was awkward y'all know what I'm saying I was at another funeral and this was just strange to me maybe it's not strange to you but a young man had passed away and uh, the the family was live streaming on their phone the funeral And in the middle of my sermon, they got up and got the phone right into the casket showing. And I'm thinking, man, that's a weird live stream video on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, that's just unusual to me. Uh, Funerals are awkward. Like, you never know what to say at a funeral. You know what I mean? Like, I've walked into funerals before and been like, how y'all doing? Oh, man, I know how you're doing. Daggone. Why did I even say that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was stupid. I had a preacher buddy one time. Uh trying to do what I did at a funeral he was trying to minister to the family trying to love on them hopefully share the gospel they're at the graveside. it's the middle of July it's burning up outside and he told me he leant over leaned over to the brother of the guy who had passed away and said man it's so hot out here I'm about to die and he immediately realized oh no could you imagine saying that at a funeral awkward everybody say awkward Well, Jesus crashes this funeral and he knows exactly what to do and he knows exactly what to say. He goes to this town called Bethany where Lazarus was and he sees Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are in the same place we would be if this had happened to us. If our brother had passed away unexpectedly. They're both disillusioned. If you read the context of the story, they appear to be angry like any of us would have been. Mary and Martha are both quoted as saying this as soon as they meet Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You ever thought that? You ever thought, Jesus, why'd you let this happen? Where are you at? If you'd just been here, that none of this would have happened. The Jews in the story, the friends of Martha and Mary are there, and they're even quoted as saying, saying this, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You ever thought that watching somebody else go through pain? You ever thought like, why is God letting this happen? Why is God allowing this suffering to take place? He could fix every single bit of this if he wanted to in an instant. Some of the things you've seen, some of the things you've experienced personally, some of the things you've seen other people experience and you've struggled in your mind like Mary and Martha. You need to know this weekend that Jesus, when they do this, deals tenderly with them. We don't see Jesus rebuke them. We don't see Jesus say he's disappointed in them. Instead, what we see from our Savior is he listens He empathizes and he offers a calm reassurance by saying to them, I'm the resurrection and the life. See, for Mary and Martha, they were human. And as one commentator puts it, they didn't struggle with incomplete faith. In other words, you're going to struggle even if you have faith in Christ. What they struggled with was incomplete knowledge. They didn't realize what Jesus was getting ready to do and what the end game for people that put their trust in Christ ultimately is. What I've learned in ministry and what I've learned in my own life is every single one of us, we have a tendency to interpret the love of God through our circumstances instead of interpreting our circumstances through the love of God. To put that another way, what I'm trying to say is be careful Of what you assign in your life as terrible or bad. Because what you think is bad, God may end up redeeming and making it very good. Many of you know how this story ends. You know that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. See, what Mary and Martha wanted was Jesus to come immediately so that Lazarus could be resuscitated. But what Jesus had in mind was not a resuscitation. What Jesus had in mind was a resurrection, which tells a better story, which shows the power of God more, the plan that God had for Lazarus. What we learn from this passage, and, and, and one thing we want you to know about what Easter represents, is Jesus cares about your pain. When we weep, our Creator weeps with us, He weeps with compassion, and he hurts for you when you hurt. If you're ever on a game show and they ask you the question, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? It's found in John chapter 11 in the context of this story, and it's Jesus wept. And to not spend a whole lot of time unpacking that in the Greek, what that means is Jesus didn't just shed a tear. No, Jesus ugly cried. Anybody in here ever ugly cried before? Raise your hand. I'm talking lost it. I'm talking he couldn't contain his sorrow because of the pain that he was witnessing on people that he loved, even though he knew what was coming. Pastor Chad Scruggs, the pastor of a Presbyterian church in Nashville, says this. And if you're not sure who that is, this is the pastor of one of the children that got shot in a school shooting about two weeks ago. Four weeks before his daughter, his daughter got shot in a school shooting, he preached out of John chapter 11. And Pastor Chad Scruggs says this about this passage. Jesus knew how this would go down. But one of the most remarkable things about this story that always gets me is that knowing exactly what he is about to do, Jesus sits down and does what? He weeps. You see, a strong confidence in the end of the story does not undo or justify the absence of grief in the middle. A mature faith adds its tears to the sadness in our world. In your hardest moments, in the middle of your biggest struggles, in the middle of the darkness that you feel like there's no way out of, in the middle of being confused and angry, Jesus cares. We see Jesus at the end of the story asks to see the tomb that Lazarus is in. And when he gets to the tomb, he then asks for them to remove the stone. This is the equivalent of, hey, dig the casket up and open it up for me. And he gets a stern warning from the people when he asks this. They say, no, 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 Jesus, you can't do that. Because Lazarus has started to decompose. In the King James, it actually says that they look at Jesus and go, but Lord, he stinketh. You know what I mean? Okay, last look at your neighbor moment, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you stinketh. You know what I mean? Let's make it awkward up in here. (laughs) Look at the person on the other side of you, your second choice, the person you probably didn't come with and you don't know, and just say this. You're worse, you know. know. Jesus knows this, and this miracle sets Jesus apart from any other person in history. There's a significance of Jesus coming four days after Lazarus has died. As one commentator puts it, he says this, Jewish literature from the third century A.D. teaches that the soul of a dead individual remains near their body, For up to three days, hoping to re-enter. Then, upon seeing decay set in, gives up hope and departs. Resurrection after the third day was unthinkable. Death plus decay was more hopeless than death alone. Jesus is even debunking these myths that people believed in. He comes on the fourth day, and Jesus, by coming on the fourth day, what he's doing is He's making sure Lazarus is good and dead, that there's no mistake. Anybody ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? Raise your hand. Princess Bride. I used to hate it. It's kind of growing on me a little bit. I think it's from the 80s. It's pretty good. You remember the character that Billy Crystal played in The Princess Bride? Miracle Max. The main character, they think he's dead. They take him to Miracle Max. He listens to him and he goes, he's not dead. He's almost dead. Well, Jesus waiting until the fourth day. He's making sure he's dead, not almost dead. Lazarus is dead, dead. He stinketh. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. You know how the story goes. And what this does is this proves that Jesus is the son of God. It proves that Jesus had the power over death. And it proves that he indeed is the resurrection, and the life. You guys go ahead and cut the lights, and I want to show you a video real quick, and I want you to lean in and consider Lazarus' story as you watch this testimony. Check this out.
1: You take the same situation and do it a year earlier, do you guys think it would have been different? Scary thought. Yeah. So Jesus
0: completely, in your all's mind, changed everything about what's happening. Oh, yeah. Is it safe to say that in many ways you guys are even in a better place?
1: now? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm Jason.
0: I'm Jennifer. How long have you guys been married? Eight years? Seven years in May. Lucky number seven. He was working with my mom and um, a boy who's like my brother, and it was his birthday party, so he happened to be there, and I was fixing to leave. Not to even want to go there. I didn't want to stay, and then (laughs) it was like fireworks.
1: Oh, I mean, when I laid eyes on her, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna save her a while." It wasn't like we planned on anything that day. Our daughter, she she was always wanting to get baptized, but she's always got really shy about it. Me and Jephra always looked, "Okay, would you like to partake in this today?" And most of the time, it was the answer, "No." At day, she looked, she said, "I do, but I'm scared." We're a family, you know. We'll. We. We'll it. It's just awesome to to have that real spiritual moment I still had part of a uniform on from work we didn't have no clothes but you know he's like hey y'all we got towels we got t-shirts you know don't worry about that that was so pure and it was the best feeling ever This has Pastor Josh said he said all right this is awesome great but be prepared yeah things are about to get real y'all he yeah. said spiritual war- warfare is about to take over and the enemy is going to come after each and every one of you are. I felt that was, I was in a really good place. You know, uh, Pastor Josh has been working with me. I'm starting to get some really good clarity. We're starting to get that good structure.
0: We had super strong marriage. We were, you know, oh, our yeah. kids, really good relationship with them. Even I kind of struggled with anxiety. I really uh,
1: was starting to find like, peace and calmness with anxiety too. Like it, we were just in a really, yeah. really good place. I was offloading telephone poles. I had in my mind that I was going to uh, build a pole barn. One of the larger poles was being transferred from the trailer to its stacking pile. I'm on the ga- on the ground guiding. The pole gets lifted and as he comes backwards, it flings the pole out of the hooks into midair, which strikes me in the chest area pole was 20 foot long, approximately 1,800 to 2,200 pounds I'm now pinned against the ground with this massive pole on me. I know my injuries are really, really bad because I cannot feel my legs anymore. I was bleeding out internally. I had internal injuries at that moment from liver. The spleen, the bladder, the L2 through L5 fracture, bones, end up in my back, my pelvis was busted up in about ten pieces. Nerves, everything's just ripped and torn apart. I roll back and I thinking that when I push with all my might, this pole is going to come off me. And I tried to do that and I couldn't I could not budge it. I could not budge that pole. Second attempt, I roll back, I kick back. And as I pushed with all what my my just everything I had, the pole literally felt like it was being flung off. Now I remember saw the the that pole leaving my body and going in front of me. Called nine one one, let them know my location. And I said, I have to get off the phone. I have to call my wife and tell her that I'm that I I'm hurt badly and I'm I'm dying. So now at this moment, I'm on the phone with my wife, my brother shows up to my side. He helps me to fight through this. Me and my brother had a, whew, excuse me. Uh, me and my brother had a conversation. I looked at my brother and I told him it was okay because I knew I still had God in my heart. I accepted Jesus and I you know, went public with baptism. I, I genuinely knew that upon my heart. I didn't want to die it's okay it's gonna be okay one way or another. my brother he's like no no it's not okay you're gonna keep fighting you know And pretty much about everybody in the in the medic service and the sheriff's department and different fire department all this kind of showed up
0: god worked through all of the obstacles put the right people in the right place yes um right god, god was there oh yes
1: yeah progressing and, and getting back to health so fast The the doctor's jaws are on the ground, and it was humbling, you know, because I know God did this for me. When the doctors and all the medical stuff were saying, this guy is supposed to kind of be dead, not, you know, I've always been a man that's been a, a, a strong man. But what happens when your strength physically, has been taken from you? What do you live with? You're here. That's all you got. That's where it's important that I can tell you firsthand to have God in both of those because if you do not have that to push forward it's going to be very difficult. I don't think this story Hus would have went as quite as well as it as, as it did if I truly did not start that relationship with God. Like I'm um, I'm not saying like you know, Jesus, hey, you're cool, dude. I'm talking about that real deep uh relationship. <laughs>
0: God kind of put this service together for Easter. We know this isn't a traditional scripture to preach from on Easter, but when we have one of our own go through something like that. We feel like uh, there needs to be a testimony shared to give hope for other people. You know, God resurrected Lazarus. We believe God performed a miracle with Jason, who's here today. and He's walking by the way and. Everybody's blown away by it. And yeah, where are you at, Jason? Where are you at, Jason? Stand up, man. I think he's right over there. There he is right there. Yeah. 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 So he's not supposed to be standing right now. But um, but God did something amazing in his life. And yes, Jesus saved him Physically. But more important, I don't know if you picked up on it. Jesus saved Jason spiritually, and uh, some of the things that he said, you know, were so powerful. And imagine having this peace if you're here this weekend. If I die, it's okay. I mean, I didn't want to die, but if I die, it's okay. I know because I know where I'm going. I know. I know I've got Jesus. I asked the question, if this had happened a year ago before you knew Christ, both of them, Gary thought, because they acknowledge that Jesus is the one who's got them through all this. Yeah. I asked the question, are, are things better now? Understand this. I've known Jason for 15 years, and God's done a work in his life that's been incredible over the last year. He got baptized and saved last Easter. And understand this. This is a guy who was Mr. Knoxville. A lot of like literally a lot of what he was and his who he is is strong. You heard him say that his physical strength and all those things. And it gets taken away from him in a second. And I ask the question, are things better now since you almost died from a telephone pole falling on you than they were before? And immediately he and his wife say, absolutely. God has used this in our life. It's that masterpiece God is making. I dare say that if we did a testimony with Lazarus today, he would say a lot of things very similar to what Jason said. Easter, if you've been at Revolution Church the last four or five years, you know that um, I usually don't preach very long because we try to make Easter about people taking their next step, which is what the cross is all about. And we really focus on two different ways that people can take their next step in Christ. The first is through baptism. And this year we had some baptisms scheduled. So we were like, let's offer baptism in every single service again like we have the last several years. Because we know there's folks in a crowd this size. I'd bet my house payment on it. That have accepted Christ and you've had that moment with God that's very personal. And you've put your trust in Jesus. And we believe that is supposed to be a moment where you do business with the creator between you and him. But you've never taken that next step to go public with your faith through baptism. For whatever reason, you don't want to be in front of people. We get it. You don't want to You think it may be embarrassing. What are people going to think? Hey, Y'all heard my testimony several Easter's ago. I got saved when I was 18 and I wasn't even properly baptized until I was 40 years old. I was a pastor. We think a lot of people have that similar testimony. Since God's changed your life, you've never taken that next step of obedience. To go public with your faith. And that's the moment. That's not private anymore. That's the moment where you go before everyone. And you say, I'm on team Jesus. I'm all in with him. At Revolution Church, we've got baptism available to you today. You showed up in your Easter dress or your pastel colors or whatever. And uh, you're like, well, I'm not ready. There's my excuse. I'm out. That's all right. We got you covered. We got shorts. We got T-shirts. We got a plastic bag for all your wet stuff. We're even going to give you deodorant if you stinketh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some wives in here are like, go get baptized. Golly, you're killing me. Just get the eodorant. I don't know. We got you covered, man. We understand that it's it's a huge step, and we want to serve you as best we can to make it as painless as possible, if that makes sense. And we want to celebrate with you. You know, it says when you do that personal thing with God, That in that moment that you put your trust in Christ, that the angels have a party in heaven, essentially. We believe baptism is where we as a church get to bring a little bit of heaven down to earth and we get to have a party and celebrate with you getting baptized and taking your next step. So that's available. We'll have people in the back. If you're like, man, I feel like the Lord's leading me to get baptized. Hey, come on. You weren't even ready to do it today. We'll have people in the back that'll have clothes. They'll show you where to go. And they'll help you understand what you're doing if you've got questions or anything like that when we sing in a moment. Secondly, the next step that we really focus on at Easter is salvation. It's for people to get saved, as we put it in the South, that aren't saved. And we don't always, at Revolution Church, rarely do we put a heavy focus on this. Like, we always share the gospel every single week, but rarely Do we explain it as in depth of how you get saved and lead a prayer and those types of things like we're getting ready to do? We believe that there's people here this weekend that that the Lord's revealed to you this weekend in some way, some shape, some form that you need to have a relationship with Christ. You, You need Jesus. You're here and you're like, man, I want that hope that Jason and Jennifer have, I I want to trust God through everything. I've never had that. I've never been able to say if I die, it's okay because I know where I'm going. I want that. You can have that today. You can have that today. See, Jesus saves those who surrender to him. Jesus gives life to those who surrender to him. Jesus, in fact, resurrects those who surrender to him. And Easter is all about the fact that because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave when he was resurrected, we have the opportunity to be resurrected and defeat death, hell, and the grave in our lives here on earth and one day when we get to spend eternity with him. So we know there's folks here this weekend that are asking the question, what do I need to do to be saved by Jesus? You've probably heard a lot of answers to that. We want to clarify it and simplify it for you. You're here this weekend, and you're like, "What do I got to do to be saved? Do I need to quit smoking? Nope. What do I got to do to be saved? Do I got to quit drinking? Nope. What do I need to do to be saved, Pastor? Do, do I got to get off drugs and break my addictions first? Nope." If you do, God's going to help you with that later on. Don't worry. You won't be alone in that anymore. What do I got to do, Josh? Do I got to uh, quit having sex with my girlfriend? Nope. One guy asked me one time, do I got to quit smoking weed if I'm going to get saved? I'm like, no, man. God made the grass and it was good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Do not leave here this weekend saying, Pastor said it's okay to get high. We know what kind of grass we're getting on Easter. No. 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 Jesus meets you right where you are. And on Easter, let's be honest, there's a whole bunch of people in here that come because of the tradition. But church ain't your thing. Religion ain't your thing. You're uncomfortable just sitting in here. You feel like lightning may strike this building right now just because you're here. But Jesus is glad you're here. And he's offering you a free gift right now that requires nothing but believing in him, surrendering to him, you want to know what you got to do to be saved? You follow Jesus. That's it. All the funny prayers and tracks we've made in the church, and not those aren't bad. All the books, all the theological explanations for how you get saved, it's this simple. You follow Jesus. He'll start to mold and shape you. He'll start to set you free. So if you're here this weekend, And you need Christ. Confess. Just tell him. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I can't get this straight anymore, God. You may have everything the world has to offer, but you feel completely empty inside. That's why you're here. You know you're missing something and you're missing the most important thing. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps anymore. I need Jesus. surrender everything to him and give your life to him i'm going to pray and then we're going to stand up and sing if you need to be baptized go to the back we'll help you get set up if you need to know jesus we've got people in the back that will pray with you if you need help if you've got more questions we'd be honored you can get up while i'm praying and go or you can wait till we start singing and go whatever you're more comfortable doing, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. God, Easter is an opportunity for us to focus on the most important thing and the main thing, and that is the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, became sin for us, died on the cross for our transgressions. He paid the penalty for our sins and three days later rose from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave. There are people in here that are scared to death. There are people in here that are tormented in their life. There are people in here that have been running from God their entire life. I pray, God, that they would listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit in their ear that is leading and guiding them. I pray for the strength to be obedient. God, there might be people in here that have never taken their next step of baptism and they need to do it. No more excuses. Suck it up. Quit whining. Quit making excuses. Quit. Today is the day you have given them the opportunity to do this. There might be people in here that have made every excuse in the world for why they don't follow you, why they're not saved, why they haven't put their trust in you. God, you're taking all those excuses away today because you took them away when you rose from the dead roughly 2,000 years ago. I pray, God, that you do what only you can do in this moment. That is moving people's lives. We love you. We pray that this worship glorifies you. In Jesus' name.
1: If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.